What's up, peeps? We are back for a fourth episode. I hope you guys are all ready for this amazing experience. I have my girl Marlise here with us today, and it's going to be so freaking great. Marlise, say something. Hi. Thanks for having me, Fallon. Of course. I'm so excited. (laughs) Now, she's honestly an amazing person, and she has such, like, a dope story to tell, so we're going to get into it, and we're going to just, like indulge and she's going to be super real. I think this is probably going to be the realest podcast thus far. So I'm excited because she's not afraid. I'm scared now. (laughs) (laughs) And this is like, she's coming in full throttle. She doesn't know what I'm asking. So this is going to be amazing. Okay. I I agree with you. I'm optimistic. (laughs) See, that's what we love. All right. So Marlise, tell our peeps your full name. Like government, full government, full government name, (laughs) everything middle. No, this person, Marlise McKenzie. (laughs) What is your profession? I am a workers' compensation claims consultant for an insurance brokerage. How long have you been doing this? I've been in workers' comp for twenty-four years, but I've been a broker for six. Amazing. Do you like what you do? I do. I do. I enjoy it. I enjoy what I do. I like problem solving, so it's a lot of that. That's a great skill to have. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't have that skill. That is so true. That's very necessary for business and for life. Amen. So you guys are probably wondering why Marley sits on here today, and we're definitely going to indulge into that. But we want to get into her her personal life a little bit more before (laughs) we even go into the nitty-gritty. So, Marley, how old are you? I am 42. Perfection. Do you have siblings? I do. I have I have seven siblings. So Ooh. my both of my parents were previously married. Okay. My dad has five children with his first wife. My mom had one child with her first husband, and then they have two together. So that would be me and my little brother. Oh wow. Okay. So how does that how did that affect you growing up? Um it wasn't really an issue because the older kids they're like 20 years older or so so it never would have been a we lived in the same household type thing okay um but it it just i wouldn't say we were a blended family we just kind of had our own family and we were in california and they were in new york so just i was living my life i don't know like i wasn't wasn't affected at all like i was not affected by them not at all like i saw you when i saw you right pretty much (laughs) I love it. Okay, perfect. So, are you married? I am divorced. So, okay, you're divorced. Do you have children? I do. How many children do you have? I have two girls, teenagers, 16, 17. I love it. A year apart. Mm, 12 months. What do they say? 12 months, two weeks, and two days. (laughs) Oh, I know. They get real specific. (laughs) They do. They're like, mm-hmm. This is what it is. I'm still been, older than you. Right. <laughs> no, because they've been asked since birth if they were twins. So everywhere we go, people always ask, are they twins? And then they start saying, no, we're one year, two weeks, and two days apart. Okay. <laughs> You're like, all right. Right. <laughs> I love it. So indulge. Tell me a little bit about your marriage when you were married. How long were you married? I was married for... I mean, it was eight years when we separated. Okay. And then we were officially divorced by like 10 years. So I would say eight years. Okay. Okay. Why did you get divorced? Because I felt that I could do 
better alone. Was your marriage abusive, like in any way, like in any way or shape or form, like mentally, I feel like you know, emotionally, I feel like women say that people were emotionally abusive a lot. So it may not really be received. I do feel as though he was emotionally abusive, mm-hmm. but you know, it's subjective. Um, but it was a lot of me giving and just doing everything and not having that partnership. And so I had two children, not three, and I didn't want to do that anymore. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you feel like that affected, um, your children? So I told my daughter this one recently, actually, it was, um, One of my daughters is actually the reason, not the reason why, I don't want to put this on her her shoulders, but it was the, the, what is it, the, the, the last, the icing on the cake. Yeah. Uh, we were driving home. I know exactly where I was. I was driving. I was about to turn onto the street right before my street. And she says, Mommy, what do daddies do? And I said, huh? And I was like, what? (laughs) What do you mean, what do daddies do? And she's like, what do daddies do? So I didn't say anything. And she's like, I mean, mommies go to work, and then they go to grocery store, and then they buy the groceries, and then they put the groceries away, and then they cook the groceries, and then they clean. What do daddies do? And then she paused. Just sit around and be lazy? Oh, dang. And I was like, huh. So I'm showing my daughters that this is what a relationship is supposed to look like. No, it's not. And that was it. Dang. That's actually that's actually really, really deep. And it just goes back to show that, like, kids pay attention at a very young age. And just because they may not be able to communicate everything doesn't mean that they're not watching. Mm-hmm. The only difference is I had, like, very communicative kids. So she knew how to express herself, and she was four years old. That's how old she was. Let me, oh, wow. let me clarify. She was four years old. So my four-year-old said this to me, and I was like, Ooh. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm glad that you're willing to be open on this podcast today because I feel like so many people need to hear like a lot of what's about to be said and really understand like again, there's choices and you can make a choice and there's you can make a difference in your yeah. kid's life. So when you got married, was that what did you always want to be married? I always wanted to be married. Um, but I also feel as though I was conditioned into that because my, my family's Caribbean um, from Guyana. And they, it's just like you're working towards marriage or you're working towards how to be a good wife and how to keep a house and how to, so you're always working towards that and you're not supposed to have premarital sex. So it was a whole lot of, all right, well, I need to get married because I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to keep house. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yes, I did always want to get married. That's cool. Okay. Well, and I understand because of the culture, for sure. So did you always want to have children? Or again, because you said that was like preconditioned because of your culture. So did you feel like you had to have kids because they told you like this is what needs to happen? Or did you want kids? So when I was growing up, I wanted kids. And then my sister is nine years older than me. And then she had kids. And so my nephew was born when I was like 16 or so. After she had kids, I was like, I don't want any kids. <laughs> so from about 16 to when I met my ex-husband when I was 20, for about four years, I was like, I don't want no kids. 
And then I met my ex-husband. I was like, I would want to have a family with him. And then I changed my mind. You're like, oh, okay, he's, he's cool. <laughs> I can the, do this. Them kids are bad. And they know they are, so I'm not like... You, I have, have, you have beautiful face. daughters. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. They're bad too, but I was talking about my nephews. <laughs> they traumatized me for those four years. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I don't want... You're like, no. Yeah. You're like, I see these kids and I'm like, zero. Yeah. I don't want anything. <laughs> I love it. So you didn't want any kids until you actually got into your relationship. So what was the determining factor of like you wanting to actually have kids with your husband at that time? Uh, I was young. So I, you know, I wanted to get married and then I just, I wanted the whole thing. I wanted the house and the kids and just the whole, what is it? Quote unquote American dream. Yes. Um, so Prior to getting married, we had talked about it. We wanted to have five kids, and I think we even had names of all the kids. So just I think the relationship is what made me want to, to have kids, and he wanted kids. So so now, moving forward, fast forward, you're divorced, and then you have two children. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like, I'm like, what's the, what, how do you call this? Like, do you feel that if you would have known what you know now, would your choice be different? To which part? To both. Getting married and having kids? Yes. Getting married to him. Yes. Okay. I really enjoyed being married um, when it was good. But I just don't think it was the right person. And I don't necessarily think he's even the per a marrying person. Like, I don't know that he's the marrying type, but I feel like... I marriage is something that I like and desire. So, yeah. And that we were made that way. We mm -hmm. were made to like want to have companionship, which is not a bad thing. Right. You're right. Not everybody is built for that. Right. Based off how they were raised. Exactly. And I can totally, totally, totally feel that. So moving forward, tell us a little bit about like your childhood growing up, because you said that you had these siblings and that you didn't really grow up with them. But how was it like dealing with the siblings that you did grow up with, the sibling? So my sister, my older sister, she's nine years older than me. Mm -hmm. So she was in the house. And then my brother's eight years younger than me. So he was in the house. Well, we, not to say that we're not siblings, yeah. but we kind of always say we, we didn't grow up as only children, but it was, we didn't have anybody close to us in age. Yeah. So for the most part, my sister was kind of my protector provider. And then I was my brother's caretaker provider mm -hmm. and not really like we didn't have sibling beef because you're not beefing with me. You're eight years younger than me. <laughs> like go sit down. <laughs> so we didn't oh, have no. the same type of sibling relationship. And we didn't really, I don't think develop that like sibling closeness until. I was in my teens, my sister was in her 20s, and then for my brother and I, you know, maybe the same thing um, when he was becoming a teenager, just because we're so many years apart that we don't have a lot in common. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually great that you don't have that, those types of issues, because for some people, they still do, you know? And it's like, and maybe it's because of like, maybe it's all girls or maybe it's all boys mm -hmm. and it becomes a competition thing once adult once it becomes an adult on an adult relationship versus right. like you know a teenager versus like a smaller child so i'm glad that you actually had that dynamic mm -hmm. so tell me about like how you grew up with like when it comes to parenting like when it comes to like the parenting that you receive from your parents do you agree with it or not agree with it 
That is <laughs> that is a tough question because it has multiple layers. Indulge. So I feel like when I was growing up, I thought that they were so strict and that there were some things and it was just too much. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to, I think, not do as much with my children. And I feel as though I've erred. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think there's a healthy balance. Um, I know my parents, I, I don't corporal punishment, is that what you call it? So my parents beat me, right? And I'm... That's just, that's what we do in the Caribbean. Like, they beat me, okay? Um, I didn't really beat my kids like that to yeah. that extent. I might have, like, spanked them until a certain age. But yeah. then when they started getting older, it was like, okay, y'all getting too big. This feels weird for me. It feels like I'm fighting another one. Like, I don't want to do this. So I feel like I should have continued the beatings for longer. <laughs> But I will say, discipline-wise, um, I think that I don't think my parents are going to hear this, but I think that they were. Um, it was it was appropriate, just in terms of um, guidance, discipline, how they raised us. Mm -hmm. I think it was spot on. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about society today? Because you use the word beating. So, you know, if somebody listened to that, they'd be like, oh, my God, oh my God she beat her she child. Call the authorities on her mama. Call the popo -po <laughs> because she parents. just hit her kid. Is the statute of limitations up? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, legit, how do you feel like society you know, deals with that because a lot of people, you know, they look at it like, oh, my God, you like discipline your child. I think that's part of why I didn't beat him as long as I did either <laughs> because because of society, <laughs> because of the laws, because I don't trust them. And I think they might have called the cops. So I think that's kind of my hesitation in why I wasn't as physical. But at the same time, they also weren't they were pretty good. And yeah. So, these high school years have been a little different, but they're pretty good. So I didn't really have to beat them like that, you yeah. know? Um, so, but society, I don't, society, they need to say that you can beat your kids because these kids <laughs> these days need to be beat. These kids are out of control. These kids are out of control. Yeah. Disrespectful. And I'm still like, I'm at that age now. I'm not, I'm that black mama. So if I'm somewhere and you're cursing, you're using the N word around me, I'm going to say something to you. And my kids hate it. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> Just because you have no behavior, I'm going to say something. And you two better not be acting like this when I'm not here. Right? And that's what I tell them. So... Because <laughs> every culture is different, you know? Like, some people are just like, they're totally against it. Other people are like, no. But at the end of the day, do you feel that boundaries and discipline go hand in hand? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um... Boundaries are extremely important, and I've just recently started learning that mm -hmm. um, for my therapist. Shout out. <laughs> uh, shout out to my therapist, uh, because I am a pretty compromising person. Um, so I have a strong personality, for sure, and I think most people or a lot of people would say that. But I'm very accommodating when it comes to friends and family and people that I care about. I'll just try to move heaven and earth to do everything. And I started having to put up boundaries because people take advantage of that. Yeah. Um, so I think boundaries and discipline go hand in hand with children also because I was lacking in that. And I think that's why they kind of went a little astray these past this past year. I'm like, how long has it been? Let me think. How long? Right. <laughs> this, look, how long have I been in therapy? Yeah, this past year. <laughs> 
Because a lot of people tend to get the word discipline very mixed up. People look at discipline as like a very negative word. Like it's, they kind of look at it like it's a bad word. Like it's abusive. Yeah. No. Discipline is, is correcting behavior. Yes. Correcting bad behavior and bad choices. That's what discipline is. So no, we didn't say abuse. We said discipline. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> And I've been disciplining them kids since this therapy. Right? So don't, mis- don't mistake her word beating. Right. That's a black term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a black term. Like, I think I, beating means spanking. That's yes. what beating is. Spanking. Like, don't get it, don't get it right. misconstrued. Like, oh my gosh, she beats she her kids. She beats her kids. Spanked. Yeah. Well, the Little thing is, is that taps. a lot of people, honestly... People get this really effed up because a cop will tell you that you can discipline your child. A cop will tell you that you can spank your child. And a lot of people, they look at that like, oh, my God, like it's just such abuse. But it's like they're over here, oh, little Jimmy, please stop hitting me. Right. It's like, are you serious? Right. Little Jimmy, you're going to stop. Right. Okay? Or there's going to be consequences for you hitting me. Right. Period. Like, why are you asking him to please stop hitting you? And that's why I have, like, so much respect for what you do. Like, anybody that's in your profession that works with kids that does not have to be around kids and you choose to do that, you choose to be around kids that you can't beat. (laughs) (laughs) Not me. I'm very firm. (laughs) Thank you. You know, what do they say um, to the, thank you for your service. (laughs) I'm very firm. My kids, like, no, like, okay. Alan's a little crazy, you know, like they're like, okay, cool. And I'm like, obviously it's like, no, like, but it's like, no, I'm very firm. I told you, no, it means no. Like there's no conversation about it. Like I will explain to you, like, so you understand why you're going to like, why you're getting disciplined, why you need to sit down and you cannot play. But at the end of the day, like you already know what you did for the most part. You knew what you did was wrong, but I'm going to make sure you understand. Do it again. We're going to have a problem. I'm going to get a little bit firmer in my tone, you know? And so they respect me because I, they mm-hmm. they see it from the beginning. Like mm-hmm. I have those boundaries. I have, you know, I was over there. I was snapping my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I have those boundaries and I'm very firm in my approach and I'm consistent. Right. A lot of time people don't understand consistency mm-hmm. is a huge part in setting your boundary mm-hmm. and your discipline. So that's where I was failing this or whatever, not doing as well in, um, that I learned with my girls, like in what you're saying with the firmness, this may surprise you because I'm very, you know, strong or whatnot, but with them, you know, the nose, it, it would become this back and forth. And I guess like Steve Urkel, you know, like I'm, I'm going to wear you down. Lord, they would wear me down like <laughs> to the point where I'm done. To, like whatever, whatever. And so now that I'm like putting those boundaries back in, and like you said, consistency, like if I mm-hmm. said this, it's going to be this, and I need to stick with what I said it's going to be. Yeah. That's what I've had to start doing because I wasn't doing it. Um, um, yeah, I was just very lenient. And then you found yourself again, and you were I just sure like, mm, sorry, girls. I know. They <laughs> hate it. <laughs> I said no. Life. What did you say? Right. I didn't hear you. Ooh, right, right. Ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. No, it's a complete sentence. I don't need to repeat myself. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> I love it. They hate it. I love it. My life these past few months has just been so stress free. <laughs> but you know what? They're gonna they're gonna appreciate it the older they get because they're already teetering into that adult world, and so they're gonna appreciate it when they get older, and they're gonna be like, you know what? I respect my mom for being on me for like taking those times to give me that boundary because they're going to have to use that when they mm-hmm. relate into the workforce because their boundaries are going to be tested. Yep. 
If they decide to have children, their boundaries are going to get tested. If they decide to get into a relationship, their boundaries are going to get tested. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, I told them when, once I did start putting down, putting my foot down, I told them, I said, you know, you guys are not going to like me over these next couple of years, uh, because I have one, she's graduating this next year. So this last school year, and then the next one is the year after. So I said, you guys are not going to like me for this next year or two years. I said, but you, at some point in your life, Mm-hmm. I don't know when it is, maybe a year, five years, 10 years. I said, at some point in your life, you're going to say, wow, my mom was right. So it is what it is. Exactly. And then they're just, there's going to be things that our parents that, I mean, there's things that my parents did that I still don't like. Right. <laughs> right. But I respect it. Exactly. You know, like I understand it and I respect it, especially given like their era of how they were raised and how they grew up. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I can understand that because I step outside of myself and understand it's not just about me. Yep. But at the end of the day, I'm like, all right, cool. But you learn from it and yep. you still hold from that teaching yep. to some degree, even though you may not follow it completely. It's, it's always going to linger. It's always going to be there. We all grew up in different black households. Yeah. Mine was a Caribbean black household, but we all know I'm not one of your little friends. And so I told them that too. Girl. But my mom was the same way. My <laughs> I'm mom not is one of your little friends. Right. We all Ooh. know that. And my mom is from the South. So, like, from her, it was very, and she's, like, ex-sheriff. So, it's, like, my mom was very non-tolerant, very non-tolerant. And my mom has had a day here since before I was born. So, it's, like, at the end of the day, it's, like, what she said is what she meant. Mm -hmm. You're not going to go against that, and you're going to fall in line. I love it. One thousand percent. And she's just, like, "Mm -mm. you're a kid. You're going to stay in a kid's lane. You're not an adult. Stay there. I needed that parental training. But I think it's also, it had a lot to do with um, my... I feel like the divorce, if my ex-husband was there or if there was a man in the house, it would have made a difference. Yeah. Um, cause I see it in my friends' households with their, that are married. Um, there's just that extra, that backup. You have someone else that says, why are you still talking? She said, no. Your mom said, stop. And it sucks that I would even have to have that backup, but it, I can see that it makes a difference. Yeah. Oh, it definitely does. It definitely does. I mean, honestly. <laughs> My mom was so far. Like honestly, I never wanted to play with my mom because like I, I was, didn't either. I was very, I was like, very much so afraid of my, my mom mother. Did not have to call my dad. I don't understand. What she did never I do? Had to, my dad wasn't gonna do anything. My dad was gonna bust out that Bible for two hours and like scold me. I'd be like, oh my god, oh my god. I was, so scared, I was scared of my mom, not my dad. Yeah, I was not afraid of my dad at all. What is this? Not even a little bit. But my mom, when she said, I was like, yes. When she said jump, I was like, how high do you need me to jump, Gail Graham? Same. That's the effect I thought I was going to have on my kids. (laughs) (laughs) I did not have that effect on them. Yeah. And still to this day, my mom is 5'2". My mom is the sweetest person, but she's not the person to be crossed. Like, she, and she's very calm, very calm demeanor. But when you take her out of that, like, Gail Graham, I don't even know what her alter ego would be. I don't even know. I haven't even came up with the name with it. It's like that GG times 10, you know, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. We're going to we're going to keep it right there because I don't want that smoke. Mm-hmm. But that's having a healthy fear of your parents, knowing that, yes. again, there's the respect. You know that, like, there's consequences that come with yes. being disrespectful to your parent. Right. Parents. I always I need to stop doing that. <laughs> parents. I just didn't have that fear with Randall. I only had it with Gail. So. <laughs> I'm a hot mess. But anyway, again, we all knew how to manipulate. We knew who to manipulate and who we couldn't. We did. (laughs) I did. I can't even lie. I did. Look, I still do. We sure do. We sure do. 
I still, to this day, like I said, I don't mess with Gil Graham, but I will teeter that block with Randall. Mm-hmm. Like, so Randall, what's up? I mean, <laughs> I'm 43 almost, and I, I don't curse in front of my parents. I don't, there's like a lot of things. I don't either. I still don't, if I go to the house and there's dishes in the sink, I'm going to wash I'm the a dishes. Washer. Yeah. My kids don't do that stuff. And I'm, and that's the stuff over these next two years. I said, you guys are going to have to get it together because I don't know what you've been doing, but this is not going to work for me. But it's also a big deal for them too, because at the end of the day, you're prepping them to live on their own. Mm -hmm. You know, like they have to be able to take care of themselves. Yep. Outside of you. And that's what I tell them. Yeah. It's not, it's not like sometimes these kids really get it really messed up because they think, Oh, like I can always just fall back on my parents. And it's like, no, I'm, conditioning you to be the best person that you can be so you can take care of yourself Mm -hmm. if you really need me of course yeah as a parent you're always going to be there but the end goal is for you to be able to be on your own because you're not always going to be there exactly technically you know so i feel like people need to understand that because it's a it's a big deal so tell me more about your life marlies so when you got divorced how was that was it like uh, was it a very bitter divorce? Was it anger, a lot of anger? Was it, did it get physical? Like, tell me, how did the whole process like officially end? And how, what did that take you to next? Um, what happened? Um, so I, let me think, how did it all start? So like the separation process was, mm-hmm. I had actually been asking him to leave for a while um, because it was just, uh, it was just too much for me financially, just everything. It was too much. He wasn't helping, and it was just an extra person to feed and not do anything for cleanup after or whatever. Um, so I had been asking for a while. And so one day I had gone, um, one weekend I'd gone out of town. And while I was out of town, he had like gone through my paperwork and whatnot. And, um, and he's like, I'm leaving. And, saw that I had taken money out of my 401k and he was mad. So he left. And I was thinking, well, finally, I've been asking you to leave. So, okay. Like, bye. Right. (laughs) Um, So then that was what actually finally got him out of the house. And then for the next two years, it wasn't really anything. Um, We didn't, we just didn't file the paperwork, I guess. And then when I finally filed, I filed the paperwork. He didn't really respond to it. And then I filed for a summary judgment. We're done. Oh, that was nine months later. Yeah. Oh, thank God for that. It was was great. Well, that's, that's a relief. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we were, we didn't have anything to, to, to part with. Um, we didn't have anything to separate one another with, you know, we didn't have property together. So there was nothing that we needed to work out. So. So when it came to the kids, how did that go when it came to the divorce? So like I said, when I went out of town and I came back from out of town, he, he moved out. So he left and he went, we lived up north at the time. So I lived in Oak Lee and he moved to Oakland, which was 45 minutes away. So what are you, what kids? <laughs> they my kids. He left them. He let me, let them kids. So they're mine. There's nothing to work out. So still so to this day, he doesn't have a relationship with his kids? No, he has a relationship with them. Okay. Like they text and talk occasionally maybe. Um, but he still is up north. Okay. The girls and I moved back down to Southern, and I say back down because I grew up in Southern California. Um, but we moved to Southern California in 2016, 2017, New Year's Eve. Um, so we moved 2016, 2017. And I, if I wanted to sit here right now and count the amount of times he's seen them since we've moved, I could. Oh, wow. 
So do you feel that that has affected your daughters? Absolutely. How so? Um, my older daughter, I don't know. She's more carefree and just like, oh, yeah, whatever. But my younger daughter is very, like, daddy's girl and just wants that, like, male figure and attention. Um, so I know it hurts her. You know, she doesn't, they don't talk to me about him and we don't, I don't talk to them about him and they don't talk to me about him. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't really share their like anger or upset with me about it. Why? Why do you guys not talk about him? Um, I don't have anything positive to say. So that's why I don't talk about him because if I don't have anything positive to say, I'm not going to be bashing your dad. So I'm just, I have nothing. Yeah. Um, and they don't talk to me about him probably because they know I don't like him at all. Yeah. Um, but also because I don't care. What is there? There's nothing to tell me about him that I care about. Mm -hmm. But then I think with regards to they, they're protective of both of us. So I think they don't talk to me about him negatively because they don't want me to have even more to not like him for. Yeah. And vice versa. Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, because they talk to him about me. <laughs> I'm, I'm the I'm the disciplinarian, you know so he things are a little different. You know, I, I get talked about, but that's that's a whole another <laughs> podcast for another day. I love it. I totally love it. Because I know it's like hard because it's like it's very important. I feel like both parents to be in a child's life, especially for a girl, because a lot of the times, you know, they always. They always look at it like, oh, a girl just needs her mom. But a girl needs her daddy, too, right. you know? And so I know that that tends to have an impact. Do you think that that's impacted, like, since your daughters are older, do you think that that's impacted, like, their dating life? Are they dating right now? Maybe I should ask. Mm, my, my younger daughter is dating, yes. Um, and I do think that it affects their, their dating life. My older daughter... She's doing something. I don't know because she doesn't talk to me. She doesn't tell me about it. Um, but from what I get from her sister through side comments, information, she's, so I don't know that she has a boyfriend. I mean, through the text messages that I've seen, they don't, they both do have boyfriends. <laughs> Hopefully they don't get on these podcasts, but they both do have boyfriends. One is just open about it and one is not. Okay. So. And you feel like because of the divorce and how they tend to deal or compartmentalize their feelings, you that's why they're one's hiding and one is more open? No, I feel like the one that is open, she always has a boyfriend. So she, if she is done with one boyfriend, she's probably talking to someone else that's ready to line up and take the spot. And I'm just like... <sighs> Like, I'm going to need you to comment. I, yes, that's, that's, that is the conversation. That is why I'm about to rush out of here and get back home. To be home by 3.08. That's, that's what time the arrival is. Look, yes. be like, oh, you thought you, look, you thought right. you had a homeboy, huh? Right. Thought you had a boyfriend. Ooh. Not today, homegirl. <laughs> He's your friend. And you about to say, He's your friend five feet apart. Right. Right. That is hilarious. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, indulge us a little bit more. Are you close to your siblings? I am close to half of my siblings. Okay. Mm, half. More than half. So, I, I don't really have a relationship with three of them. Two. 
Um, and they're from the other marriage. Um, but the other ones, so two out of the prior marriage, I'm close to. My sister from my mom that I grew up in the house with, I'm close to. And my little brother, I'm close to. So the majority. Um, but then I have a sister, I look, I'm a dark skinned version of her. Like, she's like, I'm dark, I look just like her. Um, she can't stand me. Uh, so she has a lot of daddy issues, and I grew up in the house with my dad, and it's, it's a thing. Um, so, and we all know it, you know, and she can't stand me. And then two of them are in Guyana, okay. and they're older too, so we don't really interact like that. Okay. So how are, what's your relationship like with your parents? So I guess I would be considered a daddy's girl as well. Okay. Okay. I'm everybody's favorite. That's what it is. I'm my dad's favorite. I'm my mom's favorite. I'm the favorite auntie. I'm the favorite sibling. I'm just everybody's favorite. So I'm my parent. And that's why that's, that's why that sister doesn't like me either, because I'm the favorite. And I'm not just saying this. Like, they've literally said this out of their mouths. <laughs> You're my favorite daughter. I know. <laughs> Everybody knows. You don't have to say it. So I'm the favorite daughter. So that's where, because I'm, like I said, my personality is accommodating. So I'm always, you need, okay, yeah. my mom's love language is quality time. So I make sure, like, what's your schedule looking like that I carve some time in for either me or the girls to spend time with her because she's retired and, you know, she gets mopey sometimes. So, okay, let's feed that into her, my dad, whatever he needs. I'm, I'm You know, so I'm just always the go-to person, so... I mean, I get it. I'm the favorite. Well, it seems like, too, it seems like you actually take the time to get to know people. What people need. Exactly. Which is important because whether that be with your children, your parents, your relationships, whatever type of relationship, your friendships, if you're in a relationship, it all makes a difference. So, which is great. So, with you saying that, do you feel like every parent has a favorite I do not think so because I do not have a favorite. Never have. And I like wholeheartedly say this from the beginning. People would always say, oh, no, so-and-so is your favorite. And I'm like, they both equally get on my nerves the same. <laughs> that is always my response. They both equally get on my nerves the same. Like, I know you guys think that because one acts like me that that's my favorite. No. no. <laughs> Neither of them are my favorite i would not use the word favorite to describe a child my favorite child is aspen and i've told them that that's my dog i love my doggies too you know what <laughs> so you know what's crazy you know it's crazy i know that i'm my mom's favorite i know that i'm not my dad's favorite mm -hmm. i know that for a fact i know that my middle sister was my dad's favorite mm -hmm. which is fine which is totally fine. But that's good that you don't have favorites because parents should not necessarily have favorites. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, oh, my mom just like loves me more. It's just because I like literally, because she literally did a lot for all of us. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like my mom played favorites, right. but I was the one who was always making sure that my mother was okay. Same. Where like my other siblings did not do that. Yep. So like if something was going on, I would make sure that I'm like, okay, I'm not going to go out. I'm going to stay home. I'll clean the house. I'll do whatever needs to be done because yep. I don't want anything to happen to my mom. Same. That was just my outlook. So it's like, that's, that's why we were closer. That's how you become the favorite, right? Yeah. Like, like, you're that's not why we trying. Right, you're just being you. Exactly, because I wanted to make sure that my mom was okay. So when it's like, you know, people look at it, they're like, oh, your mom loves you. I was like, no, it's not like that. Because trust me, my other siblings got way more than I did. But I didn't care about that. Right. It was literally because I wanted to make sure my mom was okay. Right. But, hey, it is what it is. It is. So, tell us. 
because you touched on, you know, just like parenting with like your children and how you feel like you were a little bit like lackadaisical. So tell us about like your parenting style. Hmm, I don't, is there a style? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't feel like I have a style. I'm just, I, I'm, my parenting style is, I just, I'm organized, Mm -hmm. I would say. Um, so schedule wise, everything is boom, boom, boom. So in the mornings, I'm usually, I work from home, so I'm usually working while they're getting ready. So I'm like, okay, I do a countdown. And it's been like this since they were little, like little. Um, you know, we're getting ready. If we have to leave the house by eight, I'm like, at 7.45, I'm like, 7.45, and then, you know, by 7, 7.50. <laughs> I'm leaving you. <laughs> right, no, like, I'm literally, two minutes, we're leaving, like, and we're out the door in two, like, it's very kind of military in my house. <laughs> I never really thought about that, but I've always been like that. Um, probably because I'm a single mom. Well, I wasn't a single mom when my husband was there and he wasn't helping. <laughs> so I always have to be somewhere by a certain time, be to daycare by a certain time when it opens, be to work by a certain Yeah. So everything is very, I'm a very timely person. That That is a pet peeve to me for things that are not. I love that. So organization is probably one of the biggest, but I was pretty lenient. Um, you know, I said my kids were good behaviorally. They didn't really give me problems. Mm-hmm. And then school-wise, they're straight-A students. So I didn't really have a problem with that. Um, so I was pretty lenient. You know, they want to do something, sure. They didn't really have, um, what is it, curfews. Because they don't go out like that. Like, oh, I'm going to this party. If anything, it's they're going to the movies with this friend or they're going here or they're going there. Um, so I was pretty lenient. Until I read their text messages. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I was like, oh, snap. Oh, snap. Earlier this year. (laughs) Um, And so I've become a little stricter. You're like, oh, you thought. Yeah. Oh, you thought? You thought you were about about to do that? They thought. (laughs) They did. You're like, yeah, you just don't know that I know about this. (laughs) Yeah. I, I feel kids these days are really dense. Um, I think because they don't have to think as much. Because of all the technology. Because that's of in all their the lap. technology, just everything. Just less innovative. It, it's, it's, if anything, for these past, I'm, I'm getting better with them over the past month or two. Um, but for the first six months of the year, if anything, I was most, cause I kept going back into the phones and like finding different stuff. If anything, I was more disappointed that they were so stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> you already know I have access to this phone. Why is there still something in here for me to find? Like, yeah. this, that makes no sense to me. <laughs> like, who am I raised? Like, I was disappointed in myself. Because I'm like, I raised two children with no common sense. Like, whatsoever. I didn't have cell phones. I didn't have text messaging and all that when I was a teenager. But I used to use, um, we, my best friend and I used, we used to write letters. Because we actually used we to did use, too. use our brains back then. We used to write letters. We used to pass them. We used to write letters in code. Yeah. So my parents, if they found it, wouldn't know what it said. These kids are dumb. <laughs> so if anything, I was mostly mad that they kept getting caught. That's what I was mad. Cause, cause when I'm really looking at the stuff they're doing, I'm like, oh, they ain't doing nothing compared to what me, me and my best friend were doing. So they're really not bad. I'm just like, but you guys are dumb and I need you to be smarter than this. So they've gotten more a little common smart. sense. Yes, they've yeah. been using a little bit more common sense. They're, yeah. a little, they're a little bit more evasive these past few months, and I'm proud. I am proud. You're like, you need this for real world. <laughs> <laughs> this took a minute, but sheesh. <laughs> 
like, look, I'm going to need you to pull your life together real quick. <laughs> Jeez. Mm-hmm. But honestly, technology is a gift and a curse because it does. It can make you very stupid because you rely off technology so much. Like my mom, when we were younger, she always like when we went places, she was like, OK, what's the street? How do I get out of here? What freeway do I use? Mm. You know, like she was very militant in that nice. way because she's like, if something happens, I you need you to, to know, know how to get the heck up out of here. Yep. So how do you do that? And so still to this day, I don't use like GPS all the time. I'm like, oh, I'm whatever. I, I can, I can go to LA with taking the streets. You know, people are like, how do you know how to do that? I'm like, cause my mom taught me. And even when I learned how to drive, when she taught me how to drive, I learned how to drive when I was 10. And when she taught me, it was like, this is the reason why you're learning how to drive early. You know, cause my great grandparents, my great grandparents raised my mother, mm-hmm. not her parents. And so for that, because they were older and because she was a sheriff and you know, all of that, she saw so much. And so she was always like, you need to be prepared. You need to be prepared Mm -hmm. because if something happens to me, you need to know how to get out of a situation. And a lot of people were not raised like that. Right. And I was always raised like that. Right. And so to this day, I'm like, okay, even when I'm out of the country, I'm like, okay, this, okay. This is North, East, South, West, whatever. We use maps. Yeah. We use maps back in the day. Like we knew how to, this we were you gotta part think. of the and you're not even like we because you're younger than me, but Just a little bit the generation <laughs> where it was like we literally went from the Thomas Guide to MapQuest to now GPS on the phone. Like we are truly the universal. We've been there, done we've done all of it. Everything. And MapQuest was not always accurate. So you had to like figure it out. You did. <laughs> you used to go on MapQuest, print your little papers yep, up and take it with you. Be like, wait, okay. Wait, wait. After the internet was developed. Yep. Let's, let's let's talk yeah. about that. Yeah. So, and even then, she just always told me it's like if you're going in one direction, there's always going to be a street that's going to still go that direction. As long as you're going the way that you need to go, yep. there's going to be streets that are going to go through. Pay attention. And so it's just like I attribute that to life, right? You know, like at the end of the day, like you got to use that critical mm-hmm. thinking for life, right? Because life is full of chaos. That's fine. Go ahead. Tip, tip, poor. (laughs) (laughs) Life is full of chaos. And so it's like, if you don't know how to problem solve, you don't know how to navigate, you're going to end up being very stuck. Right. Absolutely. So tell us, I know that over the years dealing with like your relationship, going through your divorce and just life, you've developed something. Tell us what that is. Oh, the bipolar disorder? Yes. <laughs> what did I do? Like, I've been living like, my what? life. You're like, I'm living my best life. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm like, self-esteem. <laughs> She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so tell I us. Did. Tell us about it. <laughs> what are, where are we going? I So tell us, what? when did you, when were you actually diagnosed with bipolar? Okay, I was diagnosed in January of 2014. Okay. I diagnosed myself. Boom. And then got some doctors to confirm it. That's not a bad thing. You went to school for psychology, correct? I did. But I was having an episode. It was Mm -hmm. like, it was really bad. I was having an episode and something wasn't right. (laughs) Like it was, something wasn't right. I wasn't sleeping. Um, If you ever look up bipolar disorder and mania, like it literally felt like there was electricity running through my body. Like it felt like there was electricity running from my head to my toes. Like I was a superwoman, superhuman. Um, I wasn't sleeping. So this had gone on about a week. Oh, wow. And, you know, your body is exhausted. Yeah. Right? So I would take naps maybe when my body just couldn't go any further for like two hours. So 
in a week, I had probably gotten six, seven hours of sleep, maybe. Um, so now I'm call, I'm like Googling, like, what is this? I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, and so I'm Googling all this and I'm like, I think I have bipolar disorder because all the, all the symptoms lined up. So now I'm like, okay, what do I do? So I call, I'm calling all these hospitals, doctors, offices to try to get an appointment so somebody can diagnose me because I clearly need some medication. I haven't slept in almost two weeks. Yeah, that's not Can't good. get an appointment anywhere, nowhere. Like, oh, they need you to come in for group therapy first. Oh, you need to do this first. Oh, you need to do that. I'd never been diagnosed. So I get an appointment for January 25th. All of this had started on January 11th. So I'm trying to get an appointment. Finally, I get an appointment, but it's not until January 25th. So during this two-week period, again, not sleeping, maybe 14 hours of sleep the entire two-week period. Um, I lost like 10, 20 pounds in that two-week period because you also don't have any desire to eat. eat. Yeah. So I had I wasn't eating anything. If I ate, it was because I was like, I should probably take a bite of this croissant. Like, you have no desire for, for food. Um, and finally, it just culminated. I ended up just having an explosion and going off and damaging property and all sorts of nonsense to where I got hospitalized on January 24th, the day before my appointment with the doctor that I had feverishly been trying to make. Um, so I say all that to say that the mental, the mental health industry and system is a little flawed. Because uh, I had not been diagnosed, did not know what I had, but I was calling everywhere telling them, I think I have bipolar disorder. And, and and I'm talking like this because when you're having an episode, you're like going at... Very frantic. Correct. Yeah. I'm like, I think I have bipolar disorder because um, I was Googling online, and I haven't slept, and I haven't done this. And not one person that I spoke to thought to tell me, ma'am, you should go to the hospital, go to the emergency room or call 911. Yeah. I know that see I know that sounds like well you could have just done that yourself but someone that's having a mental crisis is not going to think about and that. And that is having an episode that I've never had before. Yeah. I didn't know that. And none of the countless mental health professionals that I spoke with said, "Ma'am, call 911 or go to the emergency." Like that's it. That's the simplest thing. Yeah. Oh wow. Mhm. That's and I think crazy. it could have probably prevented me being hospitalized that first time. Yeah. Oh, wow. People suck. But I agree with you that the mental, when it comes to just the mental world in general, when it comes to dealing with mental health, mm-hmm. it is very flawed, mm-hmm. 1,000%. So how do you feel once you were diagnosed, you were still married, correct? No. Okay. Ironically, I went and filed the paperwork for the divorce on January 11th. Okay. Oh yeah. You say you let it linger. And you just that's take when the episode started. So do you think that the, the divorce triggered? I think so. Okay. Yeah. I think it was a culmination of things, but when I went and like put those papers in and mind you, we've been separated for almost two years at yeah. that point. Not, and wasn't the separated with the go bags and oh, let's, let's, let's spin the block every so often. No, we were separated, period. We, we, we were done. Yeah. Um, but I think it was just like the end of that relationship and then that, like, I failed. I failed at marriage and I filed that paperwork. And from that moment, I feel like that's when I started feeling the zing in my body. If that's the best way to describe it. 
So how do you feel that's affected like your life moving forward? Like just as a parent, like being a mom to your two girls, how do you think that's affected you? How the bipolar disorder? Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, you know, you would probably have to talk to them to find out how it's affected them. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's just something that I've had to do it. Like, just like I didn't plan on being a single mom because I plan, I thought we were going to be married and raising these kids together. I didn't plan on having bipolar disorder. So now that I have, this is pretty much our reality because they're six and seven and I was diagnosed almost 10 years ago. I mean, they're 16 and 17, so when I was diagnosed almost 10 years ago, they were 6 and 7. Yeah. So all I know, for the most part, is being a mom with bipolar disorder, so I don't know. Well, you know how people tend to have a stigma on mental health. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, if you have bipolar disorder, there's something wrong with you, or you're crazy. You know, society gives so many negative, Mm -hmm. like, connotations to mental health. So what do you feel that you can tell someone else who may be a parent that's dealing with mental health when it comes to like bipolar or anything else, what could you tell them? Because that shouldn't dictate being a parent, right? No, I don't think it has any indication. Um, or, or I don't, I don't think it makes a difference to be honest, because like I try to say, having bipolar disorder is like any other illness. It's mm-hmm. like somebody that has diabetes. My illness is mental. Your illness is in your blood. Like, it's the same thing. I can't do anything to um, control the fact that I have mine. You can't do anything to control the fact you have yours. In some instances, diabetes, you can, though, so I'm just saying. But (laughs) I I can't do anything. We can't do anything of you can't change the fact that you've been diagnosed with cancer. You know, it's an illness. I have it, and I just have to deal with it. So that's how I see it, and I think that's how I've always seen it from when I first got it. Initially, I was embarrassed, like, oh, my God, I have bipolar disorder. Like, my brain? Like, this is the one thing that I thought I had. Like, yeah. are you serious? Um, so I probably had that embarrassment maybe a year. And then it was like, I didn't do this to myself. What am I embarrassed for? Yeah. And this was in 2014. So not to say 10 years ago is not that long ago. It's not. But really in terms of mental illness, the past three years with COVID is now when mental illness is so like, oh, wow, mental illness, mental illness, mental illness. So 10 years ago, it was still, and it is still still stigmatized. But 10 years ago, it was even more stigmatized. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. So I have bipolar disorder. So if there was a friend or something, if if I got to know someone, we became friends, I'm I'm going to tell you, God forbid something happened. I don't want you to be like, what? what? I told you I had bipolar disorder yeah. and God forbid something happens. I wanted you to know. Exactly. So, yeah. It's, it's not, I was embarrassed for about a year. And then since then it's been like, okay, well, this is what it is. Do you want to be my friend or not? Okay. Goodbye. Yeah. But I've never had anyone say no. You're a great person. <laughs> but I feel like to people, because they don't understand it, mm-hmm. that's why they stigmatize it. I agree. Like 1,000%. And so it's like, because they don't understand it, they're like, oh, my God, it's this. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, oh, you're crazy, or you can't function, or you shouldn't have kids. Right. You know, but there's a lot of people that are, quote, unquote, <laughs> claim to be normal, claim to be normal, that, you know, have kids for the wrong reasons. Yep. You know, and don't take care of their children. Or have other health issues that are different. Like, there's exactly. a lot of health issues out there. There's, so. a ton, there's a ton. Yeah. You know, being overweight is an issue. It is. You know, like not being able to get up to play with your child is an issue. And that could be major depression. So it's like, there's a lot of different things. People need to understand, like, we're not here to criticize. Right. We're here to 
have a platform to discuss certain things and understand, like, there's room for everything. Yes. Open is three. So we it have, is. like, five more minutes to wrap this up because she needs to get home to make sure I that her daughter is not over here dropping it like it's hot with this little boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm over here. We're over here acting a fool. A clown. A straight clown. clown. Clownery. Clownery. So do you feel that moms, just to be clear, because I want it to be very, very clear, mm-hmm. do you feel that bipolar stops you from being a good parent? Absolutely not. Why? There's no reason bipolar should stop you from being a good parent as long as you are taking care of yourself. How do you so, take care of yourself being bipolar? Well, whatever that may mean, you gotta go, you need to see a doctor. Mm-hmm. So whether that's a psychiatrist and you're getting medication, um, or if you're going to a psychologist and you're doing cognitive behavioral therapy and not getting medication, or if you're going to a therapist and talk, doing talk therapy, um, you have to be doing something to treat your illness. Yeah. In order to be a good parent, not even just to be a good parent, just to be a, just to function in life. Yes. So, Whatever you're doing to function in life, that should assist you in being a good parent. And I don't think it has anything to do with your illness. The illness is nothing. Boom. Because honestly, let's just be 110. If we all went to a psychiatrist, they could probably diagnose us all for having some form of disorder, right? Depression, personality disorder, something. Something. (laughs) 1,000%. Sorry, y'all. We're over here acting the fool. We got to try to control our behavior. (laughs) Behind these mics. (laughs) They'll never know how to act. They'll never know how to act. I'm like, I gotta look to the, I gotta look to my like, to my left, like, okay, let me pull my life together. Well, I appreciate you being on. So again, what is something that you should tell moms? Like, because we've discussed in previous episodes, like, not everybody is meant to be a parent. We discussed like boundaries and discipline, mm-hmm. old style parenting versus new style parenting. We've discussed all of that so far. What message can you give being a strong black woman that <laughs> is on her own raising two, you know, girls to be strong black women and having to go through the things that you've gone through? What can you, what advice can you give other women today that can help them? Because that's what this podcast is about, helping women in in the parenting sector. I am not even going to pretend like this is my own advice, but just from my therapist. Since I have started putting um, boundaries down and being consistent with them, things have changed significantly. And just even in the relationship, we were talking about it, the girls and I last night, I'm like, I think we're getting along better. And they're like, yeah, I think so too. Um, Because I think they started... We kind of started to blur the line between friendship and parents. And so they would get a little confused. And then when you check them, they're like, wait, I thought we were friends. We're not. Yeah. So now that we have those clear lines drawn, it it's healthier. Because I guess it goes with what I was saying before about organization. Yep. We're, it's organized now. Yeah. Our lives are organized. Our relationship is organized. And so it's they need to, you need to have boundaries. There need to be certain instructions, certain rules, certain things you allow, certain things that you don't. And then there's consequences. And when there are the consequences, you have to follow through. And I was really bad about that. So consequences, following through, and being consistent on mm-hmm. your um, adherence, making them adhere to the instructions, and then also being consistent in your discipline when it comes to consequences. But I've seen results in just this short time, and I'm, I just want to toot my, t- my therapist's horn because it's not me. <laughs> toot, toot. <laughs> but it is you because you're doing it. You're actually adhering to the advice because if you didn't adhere to the advice, 
then you would still be in the same situation that you were in You're prior right. to this. You're right. So, toot toot your horn. Toot toot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. So definitely make sure that you guys follow Marlies on social media. Shout out. What is it? Oh, who is Marlies? Boom. <laughs> And she can tell you more about like her journey. She is also a coach. So definitely, you know, reach out to her, um, you know, when it comes to like mental health and stuff, because she is definitely there to help other women to, you know, kind of swim through their scenarios because, you know, this is still a big issue in the world today and women feel like they're broken and you don't need to feel like you're broken. You know, if you have like, you know, something that you feel is flawed, that's not necessarily flawed within like your mental health. Because these things are these things happen because of things that happen in your life. Yes. Therapy, and therapy too. Therapy, therapy, therapy is therapy. everything. Therapy for everyone. Yes, everybody needs to understand. Everybody that. needs therapy. Everybody needs a therapist, and then your therapist needs a therapist from listening to all your issues. Amen. <laughs> so, like real talk. But um, definitely, you guys look into her, reach out to her because she's there to help you, mommies, so that you guys are not feeling that you guys need to sit up here and feel. Like, you know, like you're less than because you're not. Mm -hmm. You can deal with this and be successful and help other people because it's important. People need to hear this. So remember, follow her. Um, you can follow me on Instagram as well, not so Jimmy Fallon. Um, we're definitely going to be having a lot of different things going on. This is sponsored by Mason Aces. Mason Aces is there to care for all of your childcare needs. Mm -hmm. So definitely look into them www.masonaces.com. And we're out. Bye. Thanks, Valen. You're welcome.